I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. Joining you from the Purple Patch Center here in San Francisco as we wait to open up. But today, wearables, FTP, sleep, HRV, wellness ratings, pace, power, calories, weight, mood. There are just so many opportunities to track things, data, metrics, analysis. As an athlete, a coach, a performance-minded fitness enthusiast, what are some of the aspects of your training and performance that you might consider tracking? And in what context? Today, we dive into data, and we provide a performance lens to create a workable marriage between those feelings and sensations that you have in life and training, and monitoring and reviewing the data to give you an objective picture. I help you create a filter of how you might learn to lean into or stray away from data, really dependent on your situation and ultimately, look, who you are. But before we go there, let's do a quick squatty update. Yes, the squatty update, folks. And well, I only have one thing to say. It is here. We've been inundated. So many of you guys requested this program, a standalone strength program that is designed to support the needs of all endurance athletes and fitness enthusiasts. We just had request after request. And so, well, we decided to listen, to step up and try and weave a little bit of magic for you. So now you can step into the all-important pillar of Purple Patch Performance to support your life and support your sporting needs. You might be self-coached. You might have a wonderful coaching relationship that we would never want to disrupt. But it might be with a coach that maybe doesn't have a real expertise in the realm of strength. Luckily, we do. And so long along with your coach, you could utilize this program. Or you might not need or even want a coach, but you would benefit from a consistent, structured, and progressive strength program. And so today we launch our season-long video-based strength program anchored around core, stability, mobility, and strength. And it's all built out in very simple 12-week blocks of work. Highly flexible, easy to integrate into your life and training is not going to dominate you, is not going to force you to go and get a gym membership or anything like that. And Purple Patch athletes, well, they already enjoy the benefits of this program. And we realize that not everyone needs or wants Purple Patch coaching. And so this program is for you guys. And I encourage you to take advantage of it. It's highly affordable. It's only $129 for each 12-week block. We're going to guide you throughout the year, and you can cancel at any time. And so, well... With all of that stuff, let's face a few facts. In fact, let's face just one fact. Why would you cancel? It's brilliant. Anyway, encourage you to check it out. 
I think it might be helpful to your performance and it's very, very simple to implement. I think you'll love it. I think you'll enjoy the videos. All you need to do is head to purplepatchfitness.com, head to the navigation strength, and it's all going to be revealed there. And if you have any questions, feel free. We'll answer. We're happy to. Info at purplepatchfitness.com. You can email us and we'll get back to you on it. Oh, and Purple Patch athletes that are listening, I know you guys, there's a lot on you on here. No, please, you do not need to go and purchase this. Your coach will integrate full strength for you, of course, or of course, it comes integrated into your squad training program. This is for non-Purple Patch athletes. And so, strength program, purplepatchfitness.com. Strength, you guys asked. We're delivering. I think you'll love it. We'll get it out of the door. We're very proud of it. And of course, we're always looking to evolve. But with that, enough of the squatty update for this week. Let's dive into the education. Baza, welcome back. I know you've had a great week. You're feeling good. You're all vaccinated. I want you to lead us, you great lead you. Get out the ukulele. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the word of the week. We like the way he thinks. Serious with the way. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the Yes, the word of the week is BHAGs. Yes, this week, it's a big shout out because we called for you, the listeners, to focus on a BHAG in 2021, a big, hairy, audacious goal. And the reason we did that is I believe this is the time. It's a wonderful opportunity to take on the challenge and commit to the journey of performance. And while you're at it, bring someone else along for the journey. Take a big bite of the apple, chase performance, and help yourself emerge from the adversity we've all gone through stronger as an athlete, as a human being. Well, it seems like this quest, this challenge resonated a little bit. And it has included the team from our friends at Precision Hydration. All members, every member of the primary team at Precision have committed to their own BHAGs in 2021. Brilliant. That's what I say. Brilliant, boys. Ranging from off-road triathlons, 100-kilometer trail runs, three-day adventure races, a kayak event from Devizes to Westminster, 125 miles along the River Thames. Ah, I know it well. My middle brother, Peter, not from the Peter Minute, did that once. It is excellent to see. We're going to post the Precision Hydration Team goals in the show notes, and you can check them out. Also, their newsletter Really, really fun and full of education. You can check it out at precisionhydration.com. Get onto their newsletter. It's really informative. I look forward to it every time they send it out. But I ask you, yes, you listening, are you committed yet? Because if you're not sure what to do or how to choose a BHAG, well, we'll be delighted to help you. We'll even have a quick chat if you really want one. Reach out at the normal, info at purplepatchfitness.com, and we will be delighted to help guide you on the way. But all in all, all good folks, I hope that you're doing well on your little habit creation and formation for this year, and you are salivating 
at the first towards our B hacks. This is the year, and therefore, this is the word of the week. Don't let a bigger and better life slip through the fingers of opportunity, my friends. Come with us on the ride. And now it is time to get all analytical because it is the meat and potatoes. Yes, folks, the meat and potatoes. And let me give to you a case study. Now, for this, we need to go back several years to a very young, at the time, Purple Patch Pro, who I will point out went on to perform really, really well throughout her career. And we're going to call this pro Sally for the sake of this show. And at the time, Sally was highly ambitious, somewhat talented across all three disciplines. I guess you need to be somewhat talented across all three disciplines if you're going to exist in the thin air of world-class performance. But she was in the quest of making the step up from being a highly successful amateur athlete to the cavalier world of professional sport. And goodness me, Sally wanted to do things right. And so to help on that quest, Sally thought, I know, I'm going to track everything. Everything. I'm going to leave no stone unturned and all that good stuff that you can imagine. And so every session included full uploads of power, pace, heart rate, and everything that comes. Over the weeks, Sally monitored and measured every single piece of physical performance. She weighed her food. She tracked her weight at the same time every single day. Sally monitored and track sleep, both hours and quality, from a new wearable device. And she understandably wanted insights. Insights into her progression, validation of the training process, proof of the improvements of training. Sally had a mathematical brain, and she declared that this enabled us as a team to gain incredible insights into the good and the bad. What can be tracked can be measured. It all seems reasonable, yes. And that's because it is. It is reasonable. Sally's a professional athlete. The more information, the better, at least theoretically. But problems lay ahead for Sally. Very soon, the data, the information, the thing that was going to provide all of the insights enable us to refine to be even more precise, to get the razor's edge of performance, that data began to dominate. It dominated her mind space, and it even corrupted the training process. I started to feel like the data was leading the process. It was guiding the daily training process and sending Sally into a decline of confidence, performance, and much, much more. Why? Well, let's pick apart each element. Let's first talk about training, because training, gaining a valuable objective review of how the body responded to training is indeed incredibly insightful and valuable. 
In fact, every single Purple Patch Pro and the vast majority of Purple Patch athletes monitor globally with training tools such as power meters, heart rate monitors, GPS watches. But a few elements of this overall premise tended to lead Sally down the wrong relationship with these tools and metrics. Now, to explain this, I need to first explain my lens on how I prescribe training. For any individual athlete that we're working with, and we're going to stay with Sally for this example, we would prescribe with the intention of the workout in mind. And so when I talk about this, it's basically a process, and it's a four-step process. The first is, okay, what's the purpose of the workout? And what are the associated intervals within that session? When you have that defined, then the next part of the discussion is what should those intervals or elements feel like? Both in terms of a description, strong but not breathless, for example, and a perceived effort on a simple 1 to 10 scale. It should feel like a 7 out of 10. And with this knowledge and sense of feeling, once we have that established, then we would look to align it with a range of metrics. And so we would align it with X range of power on the bike, for example. And associated with that, we would then have an expected range of heartbeat. Your heart rate should be somewhere between 145 and 155 beats per minute, using an example. And so both of these elements, power and heart rate, are always thought of in terms of ranges, never a specific number. Because ultimately, look, we're not building a bridge. What we're dealing with is a chaotic organism called the human body, which isn't just in isolation responding to the stress of this interval, but it's doing so within the context of the effects of prior training and many aspects of life stress and the other habits that influence performance, sleep, nutrition, hydration, etc. And the other important part of this lens of prescription is to ensure that the athlete, Sally, really is successful in retaining great awareness of the feelings and sensations of what we expect in training. And we want to equip her and every other athlete to be able to align those sensations with the output. So when I talk about this, I always discuss a little Dixonism, but a development of the inner animal, a sense of perception, a key ingredient to both athlete performance and athlete awareness. I want the athlete to feel the interval effort and then gain feedback from the measured output of power or pace and the associated true representation of metabolic stress expressed in the beats per minute of your heart, heart rate. Well, that all sounds logical, but let's come back to Sally. Because if we have this framing of what these tools should be utilized for to assist in the training process and actually provide a barometer of feeling to output, that certainly isn't the path that Sally went down. That isn't how she leveraged the use of the GPS watch, of the power meter, of the heart rate strap. It just wasn't what Sally embraced. 
And what ended up happening was every single workout, easy or hard, started to become a test, pass or fail, good or bad, binary. And every single week of training started to become a measure of success over the last. If the power meter wasn't displaying better than the last time she had a very similar workout, she was, in her mind, regressing. And if we didn't accumulate more hours or miles than the weeks prior, we must be deconditioning. Sally was chasing linear validation of load and performance gains when it simply never, ever, ever works like that. So the input that she was receiving from all of her tools and gadgets actually prevented Sally from being able to retain a very simple and critical word on the journey of performance, perspective. She couldn't make decisions around a time to pull back or maybe a time to push on and toughen up without feeling paralyzed by a sense of regression. And she ended up thinking little about the purpose of the sensation or what it should feel like. Instead, just got drawn to the numbers. I have to beat my last mark. And over time, this feeling crept and crept and crept and began swallowing her mindset. In fact, I started to notice that she was smiling less and less and less in training. Her mood and then her performance behind became more and more of these elevated peaks and valleys of greatness and despair. If the power was good, it was a wonderful day, folks. Wonderful. We're going to win the world championships. But if the legs were tired and she saw low power, well, I'm a failure. It was a clear sign of regression. Doesn't it sound, well, not fun? That's because it's not fun. It's paralyzing. And with this oscillating mindset, of course, the output of that was declining confidence. And so as races crept up, they began to feel like she was entering the courtroom of performance justice. And there was little chance of her delivering a successful defense. Yep, in her mind, every race was just the key, heading and locking the door to solitary confinement. Training, pass or fail. Racing, the final judgment. Not a great way to go on the ups and downs of the performance journey. And the truth was that her good days actually continued to kind of improve and get better. But the overall program showed a much, much lower performance predictability and a vast plateau in the ability to hit consistency. So I ask you, does the body rule the mind or does the mind rule the body? Well, in this case, I think the data was leading both. So that was a challenge for Sally. But now we add to this. Let's think about sleep. Do you remember Sally was tracking quality and quantity. She knew that sleep was important. It was the place for rejuvenation. And as they say, it is the arena where adaptations take root. 
And while she wasn't naturally a good sleeper, self-declared, she really wanted to double down on trying to achieve great sleep. I'm going to perform, therefore I'm going to train hard, and train hard she did, but I'm going to sleep great. And so her answer was, I better start tracking this. Well, it only took about a month before I started to see the damage being done. Because what began as a method of awareness and even a little bit of accountability from the objective data that quickly should be able to show her, am I sleeping enough? In fact, transferred into becoming a noose around the neck of restoration. Because every night, Sally struggled to fall asleep. And as she struggled to sleep, she became more and more wound up by the fact that she must sleep. She wanted nine hours. That was the number in her mind. But as the clock crept on and it went to eight, then seven, the clock watching began. Her emotions went haywire as she realized that her sleep report was going to showcase yet another night of shorter, more broken sleep. She was failing the sleep test. The data showed it. So the very wearable an app that was designed to help provide insights instead became Big Brother and boiled up anxiety for poor Sally. She was on a quest to improve her sleep, but the thing measuring it became a source of anxiety. And so, waking the next morning, Sally would feel behind, would feel stressed, and of course then would look in the mirror how could she ever ask her body to perform in training when the data shows that her sleep is just so poor? Further confidence erosion. And finally, weight. Sally was very strong and very fit. She was an Ironman athlete and on top of it, a pro Ironman athlete. And so she took eating for performance seriously. She wanted to deliver herself in optimal condition to allow performance returns from the hard work that she put in in training. Nothing wrong with that. And so Sally said, I want to have tracking of my weight daily. Now, we heavily advised against this being the best path because first, all that can do is an amplification of the emotional side of eating. But also a daily review of weight will often show pounds of difference on the scale, all dependent on your hydration levels, your eating habits, prior training, a potential set of leg muscles that are holding onto water to try and retain and improve the recovery process and rebuilding of the tissue. And so this daily routine in the sake or the pursuit of excellence and precision, quickly became the routine of yet another pass-fail test, just like every training session, just like every night's sleep. It's a build-up or a dismantling of confidence and for the chances to perform ahead, all dependent on the judgment that the scale delivered. So on from this, Sally's eating habits began to evolve. 
she started to stray into a tendency for an extreme focus on controlling the quality of her diet and the amount of eating. She was starting to stray into a land that might be labeled orthorexia. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is no laughing matter. But what I think you can start to see from this is the whole picture. The confidence ebbs and flows, the performance ups and downs, the shifting relationship with food, a destruction and dismantling of the enjoyment of the process, a dragging of the athlete, poor Sally, into the weeds with an absolute inability to retain perspective. And finally, a culling of the opportunity for control on the athlete side, for empowerment. Sally didn't have control, she was being controlled by the data. Now it was a long journey for Sally. And it was one that took a radical shift in how we coached her, supported her, how we talked about data, and how we even framed the sport as a whole. What I tell you today is a case study is an extreme case. It's an extreme case of a broken marriage between the process of athlete development and the use of data to help the cause. And it took at least a couple of years to refine, rebuild, and emerge. But guess what Sally did? She went on to become an incredibly successful athlete. And she also evolved to have clear knowledge and confidence on what it took for her to be successful. And if we fast forward to now, as she edges towards the end of her career, she can ride with power. She uses a heart rate monitor. She reports and tracks a rough memory of her sleep every night. She checks in daily with herself. But the biggest thing that she records as an athlete every single day, without fail, is the answer to a simple question. How do I feel? How do I feel? A check-in. And the answer to that question, or sometimes the answers, provide the backbone of her decision-making matrix on how she's going to manage her training, how she's going to make adjustments, deciding on whether to add load or remove load, whether she needs to step up and toughen up, or suitably retreat for another day when the hard work is more practical. More importantly, Sally smiles. I don't coach Sally anymore, but I see her smiling. She loves the process, and I will say she's fallen back in love with the sport. So what does this mean? What can you draw from Sally's perils with data? What's your best foot forward in your own performance journey? Well, let me say something, and this is going to sound like a paradox, but I love data. I actually think it's important. I'd like and encourage athletes to utilize plenty of data in their overall training and performance journey. But the key is aligning the right metrics with the athlete and ensure that the relationship and utilization of that data will help them become more empowered, help them achieve perspective, to be able to improve strategically and ultimately to perform. And so let's dive in and start to think about the good and the how on data. And to do that, let's start by establishing what is important. 
So let me say something. Measuring and tracking information or data is only valuable if it assists you in becoming more actionable, more aware as an athlete. Tracking anything for the sake of simply adding more data points is only going to create complexity and confusion. In fact, in ultimately the same way, think about it in these terms. As a coach or an athlete, we should be seeking to execute the very least amount of training possible to achieve the required performance results. What? I should be trying to train less? Yes. Whatever your goal is, and imagine at the top end, you're trying to win the Hawaii Ironman World Championships. No one has ever succeeded in that goal and won and crossed the finish line, put their hands on their knees and say, oh, I won, but I really am disappointed that I didn't manage to cram more training in. It is the minimal amount of training that you need to do to thrive. And the same lens can be applied with data. On data, we should be on a quest to track the least amount of data that we can collectively that can help us drive towards getting the results that we want. So every coach, every athlete should be willing, seeking to simplify, simplify, simplify. How can we declutter our world? How can we focus on the things that are going to help me move forward, to improve, to thrive, to perform? So in fact, whether it's types of training or number of drills to do to help technique and form, whether it's your decisions around equipment or fueling or other resources that are going to help you perform, we seek the least that provides the return. And the same can be applied to data. Our question in performance is to try and place a stress of very specific training to the body and yield positive adaptations. A specific training stress in which the body can respond to it, grow and adapt so that you can become better, stronger, more powerful for the specific demands of your event. And when we combine that with very important supporting habits around proper recovery and everything that falls under that category, including sleep, and we nail down a smart approach around nutrition and hydration, well, we are well on the way. And as we tread steps along our ongoing journey, we want to become smarter and understand really what works. And so to create lessons and repeatability in performance, we must be highly observant and we must make sure that we learn. But we also want to capture lessons and feedback so that we can come up and see trends, see pitfalls, places that we did really well and we want to replicate things that didn't quite go quite so well that maybe we want to remove or evolve. And so an observant coach and athlete is really important. But as a team, utilizing data can absolutely provide insights across all of these areas as well. It can help you see things that you didn't observe. And so 
With this in mind, I would say that every single tool that we use should create data that can be added into our matrix of learning and decision-making. It's always supportive in nature. It should help us paint the full picture, but it seldom or never is the whole picture. So with that, what are some good uses of data? Well, let's start with the obvious, training data. What do I mean by training data? Power meters on the bike, perhaps the run as well. Pace and GPS on the run. Pace and stroke rate on the swim. Yes, those form goggles do actually really deliver. Heart rate. Really useful information and data to have in flight. In other words, during your training. As long as they are taken within the context of how to view it and within the context of what it should feel like. They do not replace your mind as an athlete. They do not dominate your feelings. Instead, in flight, they enhance the athlete and the training session by giving you objective feedback while you are trying to engage in the purpose of the session and you are feeling your way through that purpose. Now, as a side note for you, real tech nerds out there, and you guys that love your third-party platforms. This is a big flaw of structured workouts. Nowadays, a lot of structured workouts are built to be pushed to third-party platforms. And I get it. I get the appeal. I understand why athletes love to set it and forget it. They just hit play or hit go on their computer and their bike trainer just has to keep up. Their legs just follow it. It's telling me what to do. It's the closest thing to autopilot ever. And I can appreciate the appeal of athletes that just love that. Let the machine adjust how hard it is. But the problem with this is a simple fact that it makes you dumber. It makes you athletically dumber. It limits you needing to be present. It neglects to consider whether this autopilot is in fact the right dose and intensity for the athlete for that specific day. So quite often it could be a little too light or of course a little too strong. But coming back to it, in flight training data is incredibly useful as long as it is married to the feeling and the purpose. And all of these tools that you might use during the training session can absolutely help you with the second part of it, feedback and review. Because these data points can actually give you some real objective insights at a workout level and a longer term pattern of training and performance development level. And so uploading and reviewing workout data is also valuable. It provides chances for learning. How did you execute the session? What are your characteristics of an athlete? What happens to your heart rate when you really drop your cadence down? Well, I can see, look, 
You know how it felt. Your breathing got easier. But objectively, looking at the graph afterwards, you can see I actually have a lower heart rate. Hmm. How can I apply that in my real world riding? It's good to know. But where this data becomes really valuable, the objective review, is when you combine it with another side of the equation. And that's when you combine it with the all-important subjective commentary, the salient points of how that session actually felt. I dropped my heart cadence down, my heart rate dropped, my breathing was less stress, but goodness me, my legs felt rotten. Good to know. Because then you start to build the complete picture of that session. And when you do that over the course of time, you can see trends, but also the associated report of how it actually felt. And when you do this over time, and you begin to line up similar sessions side by side on top of each other, you actually see both what you did, but also how it felt. And this, this is how you develop insights and learning. What do I say? Oh yeah, life is not a spreadsheet. Performance data is never the whole story. And so with all of this training and post-workout tracking, you'll really notice how I've been positioning it. It's there to provide you, the athlete, and the coach with clear insights and points. It's not there to deliver the answer to you. It's not utilized as a test of self-worth. It's not a measure of passing and failing. Oh, how we think back to poor Sally. I realize that big numbers motivate, but this isn't the reason or the benefit of training. It's preparation. And so what other instances of data collection are potentially useful? Well, let me give you five right now. Number one, for the right person, heart rate variability, HRV, tracking over a long period of time consistently can assist you with the full picture. Not such a bad thing to utilize. Sleep, the number of hours and the reported quality of your sleep. Not such a bad thing for awareness to track for the right person. Blood work, periodically, so that you can measure your platform of health as long and that's an important one, as long as you have the right performance-minded specialist to assist you with interpretation. Number four, sometimes tracking your intake of food for a short period of time, a week, two weeks, can really help you raise awareness of what you're eating, how much you're consuming, when you're taking that food in, and then help you apply lessons of where you need to actually evolve. And the reason I say that is not for you to become a monk, but it's for so many athletes, they tend to underconsume relative to the demands of training, and only by tracking can they get that full picture. And so that's a short-term track, not a habitual track of food globally. But most important on a daily basis, and I would argue above all else, it is the most important piece of data that you can track. Copy 
New Sally, how do you feel? Yes, your wellness ratings, mood, soreness, energy, happiness. Track these subjective points. Overlay it with your training and you're going to start to see the gains. So is there anything else I can tell you about data? Of course there is. Number one, know yourself. Because ultimately your relationship with data and the choices of what you utilize, it's got to align with you and your needs. So if you can form the right relationship with your tools and your metrics, and you can hold it in its place, then it's going to benefit you. But with this, just because your friend loves their new special ring that collects every piece of biometric data you can think of, it doesn't mean it's the right thing for you. And so have confidence and don't just spend, spend, spend and start to get shackled by it all. Utilize it to help you become more informed and make decisions. Secondly, if you're going to be coached, make sure you choose your coach wisely. There are some coaches, and they're good coaches, many of them, that love every piece of data possible. In fact, they would claim or state that their whole coaching methodology is driven by data. And they tend to leave very little room for the emotions of the performance journey or even coaching. They put the stake in the ground. Numbers don't lie. And so therefore, I give you the numbers. But at the other end of the scale, you'll get other coaches, many of them successful, that dismiss data out of hand. Go by feel. Learn your body. Stay habit-driven. Never a meter. No metrics. Go caveman for me and then take it from there. I've got the special source. And then, of course, you've got the range in between. Embracing elements, but seeking to mesh it with the subjective side of coaching, as well as the personality and the traits of the athlete. And you don't get a gold star if you realize that's kind of where I fall. You see, when you seek coaching, I would encourage you to align with someone who truly meshes with your needs and can help support your performance. Don't just get someone that's just like you. If you're more analytical, don't fall over there if it's going to paralyze you. Get someone that can challenge you and help you grow in another area. So it's not about what you like, but really think about what do I need? And finally, when it comes to data, Stamp this in your head. The raw data and every metric or string of metrics is never, ever, ever, ever the answer. It's not the answer. If you keep that in mind, that data is an additional element or input into the big puzzle of ongoing smart decisions around everything related to performance, I think you can not only be more successful, but you'll also love your journey even more. And so I hope that helps you guys.
Performance data metrics, a cautionary tale and a quick guide to your implementation. And I bet that I just saved some of you a few pennies because now you're equipped to filter the quick fix promises of all of those database marketing companies. Oh, those wearable companies, they do love to feed your line, don't they? Anyway, gang, best of luck. I hope the journey continues. Remember, big, hairy, audacious goals. BHAGs 2021, come on the journey with us. But most importantly, grab the hand of a friend. Bring them along for the ride as well. I'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers!